Well, it's another Tuesday evening on 97.3 City FM. And, well, if you haven't noticed, the economy is not exactly the friendliest thing to be playing around with. But how exactly is it affecting technology entrepreneurs in Ghana? Hmm, that's a thought. But since it's a Tuesday, we might as well just dive in. Welcome to City Trends. My name is Philip Sean, and once again, you're welcome to City Trends. Today, we are going to be having a conversation around navigating the current economy as a technology entrepreneur. It's not the easiest thing to do, but when you do get around to doing it, yeah, you would probably realize there are options and then there are not so good options. But we'll be getting into all those details in a bit. You can be a part of the show with your messages on our WhatsApp number 0549-986-996. You can either send this on WhatsApp or Telegram. Alternatively, you can also send us a message on Twitter using the hashtag C-I-T-I-T-R-E-N-D-S. Now, how do you navigate an economy as we have it? Forex the way it is, inflation the way it is, um, skilled labor not necessarily too available, but then very expensive when you actually even find it. How do you navigate this, these choppy waters of Ghana's economy as a technology entrepreneur? That is the focus of our conversation today. And in the studio is an entrepreneur who has seen the ups and downs of what it means to be an entrepreneur, um, has experienced it in all its glory, and obviously has a lot of um, experience to share on the show. Arnold, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. For the uninitiated people who don't know who you are, let's let's spend a little time getting to know you. So, who exactly are you, and what do you make of the current economic situation that we find ourselves in Ghana? especially from the standpoint of a technology entrepreneur that you are. Um, thank you, Philip, um, for that, you know, um, great intro. Um, so my name is Arnold Kavarpo. I'm currently the CEO of Stack AI. Um, by way of introduction, Stack AI is a financial infrastructure that is built around, you know, reducing the high cost to asset ratios in the delivery of financial services. Um, according to McKinsey, Africa has the highest cost-to-asset ratio in the delivery of financial service, which is mostly because of, you know, we've got underdeveloped infrastructure. So things like um, KYC, things like, you know, credit reference bureau, things like distribution hasn't been developed quite well. And so um, really ensuring that the rules on which financial services run are in you know a very strong position is what we are trying to um, build because even if you were um, 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 a startup, essentially you are taking on you know um, already late um, financial systems that have been developed. Whether it's a bank, you know whether your pensions company, you're reliant on existing um, you know KYC systems and you know basic financial systems. And so that is primarily what I'm looking at developing now. In terms of background, yes, I started my career in traditional finance. I was in insurance. Um, I spent about seven years in insurance. I did a whole 
um, nine yards around. I started in sales. I went into all the way to even underwriting and then, you know, um, um, product management. And from there, I moved into consumer finance mm. um, until, you know, I was invited to come check out a new idea, which was going to become like the Jumo model. Right. You know, so this was sometime in 2014. I got mm. a call from the then founder saying, look, um, they're putting together a small team into see if this idea makes sense oh because um, early on I started a project called Smart Cash, which was a consumer lending product in Medina market. And the focus was mostly to advance credit to merchants. Hmm. And we didn't have historical information, we didn't have, you know, um, the typical tools that, you know, a typical bank would have. And so going to the market and be able to um, just um, use a carrot and stick and be able to evolve healthy portfolios was something that was really great, was taken to Kenya, and then subsequently, you know, um, it transitioned into what they were now going to build as AV Mobile at the time, that was how it was called. And yeah, so I was invited to come check it out. I went over, I thought it was a crazy idea, because fundamentally I wondered how you could deliver financial products without, you know, um, collateral, without actually understanding customers, and, and worst of all, doing that on mobile money, right. where the stickiness, yeah. you know, is it, not really a very strong um, forte of the, um, um, at a time. And, 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 you know, this was a time when a lot of people were talking about fraud and, you know, yeah. all of those things. Yeah, but went in, um, did the best we could. Um, we eventually, I, I, I spent some time in Kenya, I spent some time in Tanzania, mm. I spent some time in South Africa to gain better appreciation of, you know, fully developed mobile money ecosystems. And so when I came back to Ghana in 2016, we started a process to acquire, you know, product approval from the Bank of Ghana. And in 2017, we got approval to do a pilot launch. And so um, at, you know, November um, 2017, we did a first quick loan um, um, product launch. And, you know, mm -hmm. that was, that was, it's been a remarkable journey, I would say. Um, we learned a lot through the space. And so, um, you know, I think up until when I left, we'd done like 4.6 million customers. We'd also done over um, 12 billion cities in disbursement wow. values. And I, I, I am quite excited that, you know, I did contribute a little in terms of, you know, um, that space. I mean, it's, it's very modest the way you say it. I don't think it's little, <laughs> but we appreciate your modesty. But it's clear that all those times that you spent before getting that call mm. were spent understanding the system, understanding the environment, understanding and appreciating what will work and what potentially wouldn't work. Mm. Tell me about how much of this current economy do we understand? Because it seems that we are not used... This is, this is business unusual yeah. for a lot of people. And I can imagine a technology entrepreneur undergoing all this training and being faced with this, this situation that they don't seem to understand. A lot of big businesses don't even understand what is going on. How, how does one even navigate something that they don't even understand in the first place? No, I think you make a, a, a good point. Um, in the last 30 years, I think this is the first time we've had such massive um, FX losses in the country. It's also one of the first times we have had, like, you know, really high inflations, 
um, last something like 50-something percent. I think um, that naturally translates into asset deterioration. You know, so if you have a portfolio, um, you really have to be careful in terms of um, it's, it's kind of like a chicken and egg situation. On the one front, you know that your demand is influenced by price. Mm. So if you charge X amount, um, it's, 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 that's going to inform how many people come to use your service. Um, and so if you want to pass on that cost to the customer, you probably not have too many people wanting to um, utilize the service. Now, the other side of it is that if you also you know, decide to take price, then you have a very um, inefficient system. Yeah. And so it's kind of like a balancing act and, a, and, and quite a difficult one at that. But I think where fintechs or technology companies really um, have a strength is that one, we're asset light. It means that um, our, 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 our um, fixed cost or our sunk cost is not as high as that of you know, traditional players. The other thing is also that we actually built out of, you know, moments like this. Mm. It's actually when, you know, the real creativity within the fintech comes in, you know, because one, because you're again, you're asset light and you're nimble, you're able to navigate around um, challenges much more easily than if you take um, an, a bank and so on and so forth. The other things like we've not so much built um, traditions and cultures around our processes. So, um, those processes always exist to protect the customer long term. Yeah. But because the time to effect those changes, if you were to take a traditional player, they have to go through different approvals, board approvals, and all of those things before it comes to that. And somebody will say, are you sure you're doing the right thing here? And so on and so forth. But in our case, we're able to really think about these things much more quickly and then you know, um, arrive at a place yeah. where we hope to meet, be at the intersection of profitability, but at the same time, it's not a place, it's not a time when you optimize on profit, mm. but it's a time when you actually build model resilience, you know. So, so this, that's where we are now. Yes, we are in a stage where you want to be, you want to be as resilient as possible as a business model. This is when you test how resilient your models are. It's when you try and eliminate as much you know, become as lean as possible. So you have to be lean and mean mm. in this system. So anything that's not, you know, doesn't really add too much value, you want to rethink it and, and become more creative at it. You know, that's really the stage we are in. And we've not, we don't fully understand the full scope of what's going to happen. But I think um, with what we see, um, it's, look, it's an opportunity for us to get ahead of it. As fintechs, we are creatives, and so we have to really get on top of it. That's a very important point. Building mm. resilient models mm. and not necessarily focusing on the profit. Mm. You know, I mean, look, COVID came, we didn't understand COVID. Yeah. Completely blew us away. We sort of modeled our, our way around it. Tech companies globally made a killing. Yeah. That was profit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Still building a system, but then they still managed to turn a profit. Yeah. What is so different about the Ghana situation that makes you feel that we should focus more on building the resilient model and then putting the profits as on the back burner? What is so different about the Ghana situation? Yeah. So I think the core of it is the customer. Right. You know, the, the impact of it is not just about restriction, mm. but it's also just about the kind of life, the flexibility that a customer now has to protect, mm. 
that's where the core challenge is. And so you have to innovate around people with less disposable income and people who are really stretched, mm. but yet you want to still meet the needs of the average person. So if you look at our population um, and you take a lot of the, the service, actually like you know, the Ghana Living Standard Service and you know, all um, consumer-focused studies, you'd always realize that the average Ghanaian is actually slipping back when it comes to how much disposable income they have. You know, I'll give you an example. When I was doing my um, you know, national service in 2009, <laughs> um, I was paid 159 cities. That was equivalent to, yeah, that was equivalent to 113 US dollars. Relative to today, that's over 1,000 Ghana cities. So that's about 1,400 Ghana cities. If you were to convert it, what does that mean? It means that, and then we know that um, national service people are actually paid much less than that, probably less than 700 cities. So it means that the quality of life I could command at my 159 cities is not a quality of life that people now can you know, actually live. Yeah. So what that means to me as an entrepreneur is that I really have to look at um, looking at models that are less expensive mm. that can still factor in the cost requirements of the average individual. And that is where I think the big difference is. In the case of COVID, because we had, had probably quite a, bloom, a, a boom previously, mm. it was quite easy for people to transition. It was limited um, um, people's movements. But, you know, average person still had some bit of income from previous years. Yeah. But then right now we are actually dealing with something that's quite perhaps existential. And you want to manage, you know, if you're a tech person, you want to manage how you situate yourself and become quite systemic in spite of the difficulties that people It's often face. times like these that more or less trigger like new approaches to even doing business. Mm. And I, I get the sense that that is where we probably are a lot of tech businesses are whereby what like you said what you are used to is not what is happening now mm -hmm. what you studied in your tech hubs and your business schools it it's probably not applying now because yeah. the circumstances just don't make sense and yeah. it can't and i was going to ask something but the thought just struck me there is there is there is something in understanding the conditions of being in Ghana as against probably what you've learned in the yeah. US. Yeah. And it just struck me that a lot of the technology entrepreneurs who probably have been pitching all over the place, you know, modeling after Silicon Valley and things, that thing doesn't work anymore. Or it wouldn't no, work no, no, in no. our current situation. No, Let, I'll give you an example. If you did a projection, if you did a pitch to your investors, mm. you know, last year, and then you said you were doing like what a um, hundred US dollars monthly recurring revenue. Mm. That slipped to fifty, <laughs> you know, thousand yeah. dollars. You know, so literally, you've had like fifty percent of your value wiped out. You know, so that's the real thing, because it's currency store value. Mm. It's so important. It's it's like it's is the predictor of what you're talking about. Mm. It's, the, it's the common language exactly. of when you say, okay, this thing is mm. worth this. It's actually because there's a certain value that's ascribed to it. But that's actually what we lost. Mm. You know? And so 
the market, the environment we're dealing with in Ghana is remarkably different from you know what you experience elsewhere. I mean, the level of we, we've always had these long tra um, traditions of like you know um, our currencies, our economy going up and down. But I think this time around, it, it's actually slipped, you know, um, quite low, and that's everybody is taking a hit for it. Huh? And also bear in mind that we are experiencing you know the the, the global fintech. Like the the, the 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 VC space, the funding space is going through what they called, you know, it's it's, it's kind of like a hamatan season for really? us. And so imagine that, and then the news that's coming out of the country, it's not very you know comfortable for investors at this point. I was going to ask you about the hamatan season for <laughs> the VCs, but before that, you know, can you give us an idea of the level of impact? that these new lessons and this this new mindset that we are supposed to imbibe mm. what sort of impact is it going to have moving forward for you know technology entrepreneurs especially in yeah. Ghana and to a large extent even the, the continent of Africa yeah no it's a, it's a good question you ask i think i think at the core of it is just saying that look um don't take anything for granted mm. you know um the markets would can always change, and you know if you think it's going to go low, it can actually go, you know, below mm. your whatever <laughs> standards that <laughs> whatever standards that you you you, you built. Yeah. And so it's how do you really get to the last bottom? Right. You know, how do you get to first principles around anything? Mm. You know, mm. what's the barest minimum you can accommodate, but still deliver the value? You know, and so look. Like I said, the real thing is about building resilience. Mm. The goal should not be, you know, expecting a massive boom because you could make those numbers from a city perspective, but then when you talk to investors, and most of our investors, by the way, are not local. Yeah. Our local yeah. rich people don't finance tech in this country, you know, so you often have to go out, you have to go to, like, you know, to Europe, you have to go to the U.S., you probably even have to go to Nigeria or South Africa to get, or even Kenya, mm. to attract investors into, you know, tech. And so this is really an opportunity for us to look at our models and, you know, build a lot of resilience around it mm. and prepare ourselves for, you know, what's worse. And the good thing is that, look, what we may be experiencing in Ghana could be something that we would experience in other markets in the future. So we're also building blueprints for the future. And so, you know, again, you, it's, 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 there's, there has to be this mindset around, you know, what, what's going on is going on. There's nothing you can do about it. You as a, a, an innovator, you have to say, this is, this is fact. Yeah. What can I do? <laughs> you so know? what that means, and, and the part of the blueprint that I like is the fact that in order to have a blueprint, it must actually be codified mm. to be called a blueprint mm. so that people can come and sort of make a reference mm. to it. I personally don't feel that we do a lot of that in terms of writing down these lessons that we are picking up over the period. And so what will happen is probably in, in five, six years when things have sort of started looking up, it's like, oh, let's go back to the normal, you know, and then we forget that, you know, these are very hardcore lessons that yeah. we've, we've, we've been through, we've seen, we've experienced. It's good to sort of lay them down as, as, like you said, like a blueprint yeah. that, you know, other tech businesses can use as a basis, you know, to propel and grow yeah. and, and things like that. Because we always work with this fantasy of there will be plenty. 
Yeah. But there isn't plenty anymore. No. And no. it's likely to be the case moving forward. But, you know, it's, I think, and this is just my point, you know, to listeners and mm. to people doing the listening, the fact that we have to, and especially tech entrepreneurs, mm. we have to take this moment seriously in terms of codifying the lessons that we've picked up over this period mm. just so that it serves as a lesson mm. moving forward and probably for mm. future technology entrepreneurs yeah. who would want to make that as a reference. Now let's come back to Hamatan season for VTs. <laughs> what, what, what is going on? Which wind is blowing and which lips are getting cracked? <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's interesting. Look, I, I, like the markets always respond in different ways. Um, look, I, I think at the core of it is the U.S. economy. It's getting, you know, the, the, the increase, like, you know, the increase, that, what we call their monetary policy rate, for example. Right. And so a lot of investors are actually putting their money right in the U.S. and, you know, investing in, like, traditional business models because, look, that's going to give you some returns. And so why uh, VCs and then high-risk investors, investments like uh, like the, the kind that trickle down to us, yeah. you know, typically do very well when people feel like they're not getting very good returns from their traditional sources, mm. you know. Um, if, 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 if a BlackRock has like, you know, trillions of dollars in assets under management, um, before they allocate some of that to some VC, they are probably saying, look, and they are probably saying, look, um, what we are putting the money in is not going to give us the right level of returns. And so let's go play, um, some risk game yeah. in some parts of the world. Yeah. That's no longer the case because the market is actually recovering quite well right. in the U.S. Um, inflation is up, and when they say inflation is up, it's not our kind of inflation. But it actually means that people are consuming. <laughs> it actually yeah. means that there's more income to go around, and people are actually spending, so production goes up. The negative impact that we feel is that, well, it means that there's less money coming to us, mm. you know, and, and that's typically the tradition. Mm. Um, there are these times when you have this boom, like, you know, two years ago, especially during COVID, where most people were trying to, again, business models were evolving. Yeah. A lot of funding went into startups, you know, in international markets, like they call it. Um, today, that's no longer the case. But in the midst of it, I believe that, you know, good, good businesses are going to come out of that. Well, yeah. we, we will keep our fingers crossed on potentially yeah. good businesses coming <laughs> out of that. Listen, you're still tuned in to um, City Trends. We're having a conversation around, you know, really how to survive in these current economic circumstances as a technology entrepreneur. And what we've established is that these are very um, unknown you know, waters that we are traversing. And I think one of the biggest lessons for me personally is is to document this mm. part of our journey mm. as a lesson for, you know, mm. um, people, others who would want to come after to sort of learn and then grow potentially um, their, their businesses. There was something you touched on earlier about around traditions and, and cultures and the things that we've gotten used yeah. to as 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 a people ghana's technology space is 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 really young yeah you know and we are we are trying to figure out what cultures we should hold on to which ones we should let mm. go of you've been you've been in it had your fair share of of your dealings mm. what would you say would be some of the biggest things that 
through this through this very trying time of this economy, what are some of the traditions we should lay down and yeah. say, you know what? Come what may mm. in Ghana, in the tech space in Ghana, as a technology entrepreneur, these are some of the cultures we should absolutely abide by. You know. Yeah, yeah. Top of mind. Yeah, I think infrastructure will always be an important one um, because, again, value is created not necessarily because of um, actual value of transaction, but the volume. Yeah. And so um, those would always still be important, like, you know, um, um, verticals that we need to invest in and hopefully um, learn our lessons from that. Um, the payment space would always still be an important one. Mm. Um, with revenues that are going to be affected, people have to think about um, what, what are the alternatives? What other lines of revenues can you introduce into your business model? Mm. You know, like I said, the key thing is to get creative when you, know, you, are, you, are, you, are, you are being hit. And in this particular instance, um, you know, payments will always be an important one. Infrastructure play will also be an important one. I think the work people are doing around InsureTech, you know, um, people are scared yeah. and, you know, reasonably so. Um, people that are investing in pensions will also be an important one to yeah. focus on because, look, when all is said and done, we're all going to um, grow old and we want to preserve, um, <laughs> we want to preserve the future. <laughs> and like I said, it's going to lead to leaner, more efficient models. Um, perhaps pensions have always been this very comfortable funds that's lying down. Um, so anybody that's in that space right now has to think about creative ways to extract enough value that more than compensates for whatever losses that are coming from you know the macro. You know, and so really important, I think, time for everyone for us to really um, think about you know how to become efficient, resolute and actually much more resilient. I think that's the key at this moment. How important will collaborations be in, in, in this current economic time for mm. technology entrepreneurs? Mm. Yeah, so in, in, every, in, in every crisis, there will always be losers and the beginnings, right? Um, but you can, you, can, you can consolidate or you can, you can suspend some of the challenges by actually strengthening your forces. You know, um, and there are always people who are better at managing certain units. So mm. when you look at the unit economics on just about any product line, there are always certain business models that are better at managing those ones. Right. And so it's really important that, you know, you, you seek them out as a business. And then, you know, um, rather than trying to go at it all alone, right. I also go with the idea of, look, um, even within the traditional playing space, right, um, whether it's a bank, or it's a mobile money infrastructure, or even it's a, a pensions company or insurance company. Um, these guys have, you know, they, 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 they've, they've, exist, they've existed for a reason. You know, they, they're, they're big, they, 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 can, they can withstand more shocks than, you mm. know, um, if you're just like a small startup mm. with, you know, less to go around. <laughs> and so you want to strengthen relationships there mm. and try to look at where their pain points are and then you know, try and then evolve around that. Uh, yeah, and, and, and that actually also makes you um, stronger mm. in the midst of things. There's always that fear of losing yourself, you know, yeah. when you go along these collaboration yeah. lines. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, it's a reality, but 
you know, how, how do you work around that as mm. a tech entrepreneur? And, and, and listeners, this is all in the context, once again, mm. of the current economic circumstances mm. that we face as a country. Mm. So, you know, let's, let's keep that in mind yeah. as, as a context. Yeah. You know, you, you do want to survive. Yeah. You don't want to miss out or, or, or forget why you started out in the first place. Mm. I have a solution. It will work. Under these current circumstances, mm. doesn't seem to be working. Mm. You're looking through the market and you feel that, you know, company A that's, you know, is much bigger, has been there. Mm. They have a deficiency. I can plug myself into yeah. it. But there's always that fear that once I plug myself into it, that's almost like I've pivoted. And that's, once the money starts coming in, you know, you, you forget that there was a reason why you set out in the first place. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's a reality that yeah. a lot of, you know, people tend to face. And, and, and by, by the way, if you feel that way, then you should probably stay there, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know? But I, I think the core... <laughs> but I, I think the core of what you say is, look, um, there's a thesis, right? There's a reason why you're doing this. There's a core problem that if I identify in the market mm. that you are hoping that your tech would be able to provide that. And within that, you've seen an opportunity, mm. even if that's, you know, um, quite um, horizontal to your business model, you find that some of the core competencies or the, the assets that you have as a, you've created as a, as a tech, a techpreneur, you're able to um, utilize that in, in a different vertical. Look, I think the core of it is like, at this moment, um, everybody's willing to listen because everybody knows that like times are tough and yeah. people are looking at you know, new initiatives here and there. Um, but the most important thing is like, you need to go in with a clear mandate. You need to go in with clear objectives. You need to go in again also with the required protections. So if you need to have an NDA in place, do that. If it's on the tech sites that you think that you are doing a technology transfer, make sure that you codify that and spell out the scope. If it's on the management sites, maybe you want to share um, IP around, you know, um, um, products, then if, if you, you want to probably put it in place a management service agreement or, yeah. and then, you know, codify that your commercial models, you know, service levels agreements, um, um, credits, if, if those needs to be put in place, um, you have to put all of those things in place because they are really critical in keeping everyone accountable and also making sure that you stay true to the purpose mm. of that collaboration. Mm. Because collaborations mm. don't happen in vacuum. And of course, if someone is not being proactive and active in that relationship. That's really the risk that you will be taking advantage of. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and you yeah, actually yeah. lose yourself, like you rightly said. Yeah. So really critical to yeah. always be maintain that state of awareness, state of mind across just about any business relationship. And this not just only at this stage, right? Um, when you are a startup, it's very easy for you to get lost within a big machine, you know, you, you just show up and they meet two, three people, yeah. your name hardly comes up. Once in a while, people will mention you at a board because, you know, there's some interesting thing that's happening, right. you know, yeah. on their revenue lines. But they, you, you, are not, you are not as, you don't hold as commanding influence within those space. And it's very easy for you to get lost, but you have to remain really, focused and you know um deliberate about um what you want to get out of that i'll when when we come back i'll be asking you around what you know your advice would be um think your do's and don'ts 
Yeah. In this economy as a technology entrepreneur, your do's and don'ts. I think I'll, I'll term it that. Your do's and don'ts as a technology entrepreneur in this economy. Well, listeners, you're still tuned in to 97.3 City FM. This is City Trends. We're having a conversation around surviving. Surviving in these economic times as a technology entrepreneur. There, there, there are lots of things that we've picked up so far. But when we return, we're going to be talking about the do's and don'ts in this economy, current economic circumstances, as a technology entrepreneur. My name is Philip Sean. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Share your thoughts and opinions on the show via the WhatsApp number 054-998-6996. Tweet at us using hashtag CityTrend. You're still tuned in to 97.3 CTFM. This is City Trends. We are um, having a conversation around the economy, um, but with a tech sort of approach. How do you survive in an economy like this as a technology entrepreneur? And Arnold is in the studio with me, um, giving us insights about how to prepare yourself for potentially what's about to happen. If what has happened so far is anything to go by, you can imagine what is about to happen. Now, Startup Pack is where we are. We are going to talk about the Startup Pack for a technology entrepreneur in Ghana's current economic situation. The do's and don'ts. Yeah. No, thanks. Um, look, this, this, this is an interesting time, like you rightly said. Um, it's not a time for, like, you know, the ivory tower. It's not a time for you to <laughs> think about, you know, spending a lot of money on, like, you know, the appearances, the shows, the showmanship. Take it till you yeah. make it. <laughs> it's probably not a time to do all the um, travels around, you know, mm. visiting every conference, um, technology conference mm. that's happening around the globe. It's, I think it's, it's a time for people to really um, sit back and then, you know, um, look at the business model because that's what it calls for now. Mm. It's about, you know, delivering services at the least possible um, price and cost. You see, any time there's a process, there's a cost. Mm. Every time there's an activity, there's a cost. Mm. You know, and so you want to be able to reduce these things to us, you know, um, uh, to the barest um, uh, mm-hmm. minimum. Um, in terms of just generally around do's and don'ts, I would say the key thing is like you want to look at your operational expenditure. You want to look at, you know, how much it actually costs you to deliver the service. You want to think about things like um, um, hiring, you know, personal charges. Um, might not be the best time to you know, go on like, you know, um, a, a massive hiring spree. Mm. Um, you could have a project that when you do the maths, you think that, okay, this project is going to pay. And so you can probably survive on, um, you, you, you probably, you, you can probably survive on, you know, um, getting additional resources to focus on that. Yeah. But try and think about what, what, what assets you can leverage within the team. You know, it may, you may not get the perfect blade. You may actually require people to work extra, but I think once people understand that, look, um, mm. we are in a tough time and want to get out of it in, a, in, in, in good form mm. and shape, um, you know, your employees would understand. Because, look, everyone is struggling in this yeah. space, and the most important thing is, like, you know, you want to keep growing and you want to, you know, um, 
add, continue to add value and build those model resilience that I spoke about early on. You know, you also don't want to, um, this is not a, a stage to start um, taking on very grandiose projects. Mm. So mm. try and scale down projects mm. to a way that, you know, delivers value, right. but without all the, the optics. Right. And it, it's, it's, a, it's kind of like um, a challenge that most um, engineers, coders, mm. tend to um, have, that right. you, th there's, a, there's a base model that you can deliver. But you think that, oh, this is going to be nice on this, this is going to be nice on that. Mm. Before you realize then the, the project scope kind of expands. I think at this point, you want to be able to ship really quickly. Right. That's the focus. The focus should be to get something to the market as quickly as possible that people appreciate, people are going to buy. Um, and hopefully, as time goes and things improve, you think yeah. that there can be additional revenue lines created as a result of these add-ons, then you can take it on. Because, mm -hmm. look, you are entering into a market that the terms of it you may not fully understand. Mm -hmm. You don't understand the customer, mm -hmm. um, how the customers are going to engage with the service. And so you want to be careful about, you know, really um, going so much far off, like even in terms of innovations and stuff. So. Yeah. It may be a time for incremental developments. However, if you are a startup coming in as a result of this particular moment, I would say go all out for it. Just do it. Because this could also be your defining moment. Mm. Mm. Coming in now. Yeah. Because of, of the, current the current circumstance. Yes. Just go Just go, go for it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Though. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Because, I mean, the circumstance has created you. So you might as well, you know... Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Just explore your options and see what's best you can you can do with it. Exactly. More, more yeah. so like you know, um, Zoom and pandemic. You mm. know, and and yeah. you know the yeah. fact that it just it was there, but in in a yeah. very weird state. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. then you know, once yeah. the pandemic came in, yeah. they just took yeah. advantage and yeah, and, and just like payments generally. Yeah. Um, and again, when you look at a lot of the reports, actually on like the financial service model, like mm. take a banking operating model, that traditional. Revenue outlets have been, you know, creating assets like, you know, loans and stuff, um, doing things like store value, managing yeah. that. So um, treasury management, revenues from that. Where a lot of their revenues tended to come from became payments mm. as a result mm. of, well, there's digital transformation, but also as a result of, you know, um, COVID and all of those yeah. things. So, look, in the midst of all of these things, there can be innovations that come in and say, okay, I'm purposely coming after this because of the environment, because I think that I can do this without all the distractions. I'm focused on a very specific issue, mm. and that's what I go with. That's a very interesting yeah. one. That's a very interesting one. Thank, mm. thank you for that. But in order for you to survive, obviously you can't do this on your own. Mm. You need a team. Mm. In these times, yeah. you know, any advice on yeah. how to manage your team? Yeah. Look, it's, it's, it's not only um, in Ghana, um, Google laid off like how many 12,000. <laughs> you know, so look, it's happening around the world. It's not only, mm. it's, it's not only a Ghanaian thing. So the, the, the Don't funding, feel too bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not exactly. <laughs> and, but you see, that's the important thing. The world always goes through change. Mm. And new innovations, new companies are born oh, in the cool. middle of that. Yeah. It's the question of, who, how resilient, how creative, and you know how in touch with reality you are. Because 
every moment presents its own reality and you have to really go down and understand what that new reality is mm. and from there you can you know be able to grow from there so look team it's you it's always critical you can't do this by yourself um, and by the way you can also still if you need to look when Elon Musk was starting you know um, his first company he said they were working across just one computer mm. they would actually um, you know um, work during the night coding and then turn it on during the day right so look those things happen yeah. right here in Ghana I know a lot of startups that you know basically had one computer they were working on yeah. and then they would actually switch it on during the day and then, you know so those things happen it's 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 like I said. It's not a time to um, think that okay, I'm gonna go raise a lot of money, hire like you know 20 people just to do one you know um, service within the engineering team. Mm. It's a time to think about a way to consolidate your resources and see how best to extract the most value from it. Look, um, people, even your engineers, sometimes get bored just doing the same things. Right. So this is time for you to experiment stretch and then stretch them to some extent, like push them, let them try out new things. And who knows, some might actually, you can have an engineer who probably it's better at products, you know, and, you know, move them, try new things with them. And you could actually, get, in any case, you'll get new ideas mm. coming because you've Absolutely. moved people around. You know, so that's, that's interesting. It's, 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 um, it's always, there's always a great... There's that's, always a silver lining. That's, 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 that's a good point on, on, on managing, yeah. managing your teams. Yeah. So now I, w I want us to stretch you know, the imagination to Africa mm. and to the world because the world is still happening. Mm. No matter what we are going through, mm. everybody is still doing what they need to do. Yeah. What are some of the things that you feel technology entrepreneurs should draw their minds to from an Africa or in a global point of view? Mm. I mean, with everything else that we've talked about, but mm. you know, you know, keeping it, you know, yeah, yeah. on a, on a download more or less, and just you know, grind time, mm. but then keeping at the back of your mind because obviously the world is happening. Yeah. You're not living in a bubble, yeah. you know. So yeah. you should be conscious of what are some of these things that are happening globally that you feel technology entrepreneurs in Ghana should, regardless of everything that's happening in Ghana, mm. should mm. still keep in their, you know, their review, yeah, yeah, as they as they move. Yeah, I think one key thing is that, look, we, we are consumers. Even as tech people, we are not creating, mm. you know. Um, and, and like, I'm sorry I'm saying this to my fellow colleagues. But um, essentially, I think that what we, like, when, we, when people talk about AI, mm. when people talk about blockchain, people talk about, you know, all these new innovations, yeah. um, are we adding anything or are we simply just copying the language and then, you know, localizing it, right. you know. So I think we have productized in the market. We've looked at alternative ways to use the products mm. in mm. our market. But I think the deep research around the language, the core tech, we haven't spent enough time to On develop that. those skill sets. But mm. guess what? If we are going to be able to contribute to this African, you know, technological story, mm there has to be something that is unique to Ghana that we have our DNA on it, you know, and that, like how Kenya created mobile money, yeah. you know, like how, you know, what's happening in South Africa, a lot of the bell tech and, you know, insure tech and stuff that are happening, really new innovative things that are happening, you know. We need our people to also begin to think about beyond how we industrialize, you know, the, the tech that is, 
made elsewhere, mm. how do we get to the core of production? I think that's an important one. That's I think also like, you know, the key issues, like some of the key trends that are happening, like MLOPs, you know, machine learning, AI, data science, um, the blockchain technology, and stuff like that. I think, look, whatever we do, this would always be important phases for us. We know that, you know, um, I know you've discussed chat GTP <laughs> and then, you know, how that's revolutionizing the entire space. I was actually um, going to ask you about <laughs> it as well. <laughs> yeah, so, so things like that will always happen, right? Yeah. But that's because people take the long route. You know, it takes time to actually build mm. the systems to get the data to be able to put that in yeah. and then test out, take years to be able to test out. And then the end product, everybody says, oh, wow, this can do this. And then suddenly everybody's talking about it. It's a very, yeah. it's a very interesting um, example mm. to give on the lessons to be learned from resilience mm. and taking your time on building a product. Yeah. Because it's not something you know, that has developed in two years. Yeah. Clearly, yeah. You know, the OpenAI team yeah. has been working yeah. at this yeah. for a long for a time. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And yeah. to be able to get it to work this well, mm. and I mean, conversations around how it's completely going to disrupt the Google model, you know, and, and how scary that is. When you think about what Google means to all of us, and the yeah. fact that something like this can actually completely disrupt the entire business model of Google, yeah. it yeah. kind of blows your mind, but then yeah. it kind of brings you back to, like you said earlier, always understanding what the big vision is, why you got into the game mm. in the first mm. place. Mm. Regardless of everything else that is going on, mm. still understanding that at the end of the day, this is the big vision. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I mean, can you imagine how disruptive it is when they created the first um, calculator, right. you know, right. or when they created the first Excel sheet, yeah. you know, and you could do all these additions and, you know, put so much documents, you know. So, look, innovation will always happen. People always look at the nexus between convenience and then whatever challenges that people are going through. So people will always look for that. And whether we are spending time doing it or not, others will, you know. And whether we get on the map because we are creative and we are developing things will be because of the things that we're able to generate. I don't know if that's the only thing that the market cares about. That's the only thing that you know, the world should you know, um, recognize us for. But I think the key thing is that if Ghana is going to attract the required kind of funding into our ecosystem, we really need to look at developing um, things that are um, um, unique. Mm. The uniqueness yeah. of our solution. Yeah. That under that that appreciates where we are yeah. and is actually it actually understands our condition better. Because yeah. sometimes I do get this and, and, and you rightly said it, I do get this sense that we just take what is there, you know, clean it up, add a new Ghanaian yeah. slogan to it and we call it an innovation without yeah. really going deeper into it, get into the core of it, and then figure it, because a lot of the solutions are not developed really for us in, yeah. in a certain sense. Yeah. You know, yeah. the education that is needed mm. to be able to use it, the literacy that is needed to be able to use it, mm. we, don't, we don't seem to adapt that. And mm. so we carry all these models, bring it down. When it doesn't work, then, yeah. you know, yeah. hey, you, are you sure you are, you, are, you know? <laughs> but it's, 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 
it's it's always a pleasure to get these gems from you. But as we wrap up on the conversation, and, and rightly so, you you talked about AI. Um, I want to know from you, yeah, personally, what your thoughts are on on what AI is going to do to to the tech space. Yeah, um, I think first of all, we know that AI is better at managing certain things than human beings. We we go to sleep. <laughs> let's yeah, not yeah, joke. Let's yeah, not joke with here's, it. Here's the interesting thing. Like, I think if we're going to have a future self, or if there were any extraterrestrials out there, they'd be surprised that there's this um, species that need to spend half of their time basically <laughs> <laughs> sleeping, you know. And and I think that um oh, you know the argument will always be made around, you know, whether we can get to a point where um, tech, tech can evolve, AI can evolve to a point where we it, it actually um it, it, it's it's much more efficient. Mm. Um it doesn't need the presence of humans, right? And so I think it's going to be an interesting space where we try and regulate AI. So there's ethical development of mm. AI mm. Um, that has a conscience that says, okay, um, we know when to call the, like, stop. When we say stop, it means stop. It's not just going to keep, like, reproducing it, reproducing itself. Right. Um, but in terms of AI itself and how beneficial it's going to be, you know, it, it's going to be everywhere. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to cut across everything that we do. Um, whether it's in health services, whether it's in, you know, we, we could, we could get to a point where we leverage the tech in AI and say, okay, want to build, want to harvest maybe your, um, your cells and design drugs that are specific to you without side effects. We can say, okay, um, maybe, um, I drink too much um, um, whiskey, and so I know that there's going to be a time where my liver might have a problem, and I'm going to say, okay, I want to start incubating a liver in the event that that happens, right? Yeah. So that's a more extreme version of what AI and, uh, you know, how that technology can be leveraged right. in the future. Right. But at the consumer level, on the, the, the facial level, and what we're actually doing at, at, at Stack AI, we're building our tech based on AI. So we're looking at different ways in which we can operationalize AI in a way that is beneficial to a human being. I'll give you an example. Mm. For us to process a typical credit product within a, a typical banking infrastructure, they'll do something within the vicinity of um, two, um, 20 to 90 um, different processes. We can do 24,000 processes. We can, even at the point of making decisions, around fraud models and stuff, we're able to design multiple customer journeys and use that to infer on syndicates or previous actions or previous decisions. That is just a simple application of how we can use AI. These things are not possible when you even use standard regression models or you try and build it on maybe Tableau or something mm. like that. It's much more difficult if you try and do that. But with AI, we are able to operationalize some of these. And like I said, there are multiple ways in which um, we, 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 we... AI is better at speaking patterns, right? So you need to yeah. put in that effort exactly. of giving them the pattern to read. Exactly. And, and the parameters around which those those models and those examples, it's going to learn from. Yeah, exactly. That's a lot of yeah. work we have to do, though. Yeah, it, but you see, with a human being, you just have limitations. Mm. If somebody gives you a lot of data, you would 
get lost, you get to a point, your brain will switch off. But a computer just keeps going. Right. And that's that's the difficulty. It's that's not the, where the danger is for a lot of people, though. Because, yes. you know, you are giving so much information for this. Because, the, the, I mean, the, the basic idea is give us a lot of information. Let's learn as much as it can yeah, so yeah. that it can help to make your work easier. Yeah. But then it will, like you said, it won't stop. Yes. It will continue to learn. Yes. And, you know, and that, I guess, is the fear for a lot of people. When, when will it potentially stop? <laughs> exactly. And that's why you need to have a government. I mean, again, that's why in developing AI, there has to be some ethical principles right. in the application of AI. Mm. Otherwise, then you could have rogue systems. Um, I, I don't know whether you remember the story of Facebook that was building, you know, an AI system, and at some point they had to shut it down because it mm. literally <laughs> went rogue, <laughs> you know. So those things can happen, by the way. Like, you know, you can set out with really good intentions, and then, you know, things can get. So right from the beginning, mm. right from setting parameters, you have to have a kill switch that mm. cannot be, you know, replicated o or even identified by us. Yeah. It has to be some kind of, you know, a system that enables you to, to, to do that. And it's, it's okay to be afraid of anything that's new. Right. But human right. beings would always, whether we say we're afraid of it or not, it's going to happen, mm. right? Mm. It's just a matter of how can we prepare utilize it and prepare ourselves yeah. to identify um, the best use cases for it in our particular environment. Does it scare you? No, it doesn't. I'm excited. Mm. I, I love... I love the child. I believe in the I, I believe in the resilience of the human being, and I believe that over time, just like how we're probably afraid that if we give our kids calculators, they will stop learning mm. because they couldn't recite, you know, um, five times, <laughs> five six, times, <laughs> you know, <laughs> this might well very well be that case. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. a promising future, obviously. Yeah, it is. You know, but I guess, like you said, it's it's more of a fear you know, than challenging ourselves. Because mm. if you mm. do challenge yourself, mm. you know, you would give yourself the opportunity to see what's, what yeah. is possible and then, um, you know, but look. Yeah. Can, I, can, I, can I just yes, say something please. quickly? Imagine if for every car production, we didn't want to use robotics. Mm. We wanted mm. everything to be hand-built. Every time you cut something, it's very difficult to recreate that cut because it wasn't made by a machine. Right. Think about that. So yeah. you, everything had to be, imagine the number of people you would need to create, you know. Mm -hmm. So there are limitations that we have as human beings. Right. We have to identify that. And we have to know that even when we build these systems, we still have to exercise supervisionary control over those mm -hmm. things. So they work for us, they are tools for some uh, social good, and then we find the right parameters to be able to um, 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 manage them and make sure they're delivering the required outcome. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's more fingers crossed than anything else. Um, just, just thinking along the lines of, you know, us as a people mm. being courageous enough mm. to challenge ourselves, you know, to mm. adapt as these, yeah. these trends evolve yeah. as, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Arnold, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much. Um, listeners, um, I, do, I do hope this has been a worthwhile conversation for you. Um, lots and lots to pick up. Um, yes, it's, it doesn't look the brightest, 
but um, definitely from this conversation you can you can tell that there's a roadmap and and there's a blueprint that we can follow um, if we choose to follow it um, and we'll definitely come out at the end you know as a much better community and as, as a much better group of people and I thank you so much once again for being on the show and listeners um, do remember that the show will be available as a podcast first thing tomorrow so please do um, make time to search for it. It'll be available on all the podcast platforms that are available. Anchor, Google, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whichever. Choose your pick. But please make sure you check it out and share it you know, with, with your friends and your family as well. But then, whatever you do within this period, just remember that till next week, stay techy.